we're all authentic, but just at certain times with certain people where we feel that we're not in danger of some repercussion of some kind. And we know that we can just be there. And that is the word that I always ask people to remember is, who are you being at that moment? Are you being authentic or are you doing authentic? And is your goal there to have a conversation in which your ability to have someone communicate with you honestly is only available when they believe that you're there to solve their problem instead of yours? Hi there. Welcome to On The Flip Side, a podcast for anyone who wants to live their best sales life. We're going to be talking to buyers, sales managers, SDRs, and A's about things like, what does it take to be a great sales manager? Or how can you go home happy month after month? So let's dive right in. Hi, Eric. I'm so glad to have you here on The Flip Side. Welcome. Thank you. And I want to tell you how delighted I am that you extended an invitation for us to have this conversation and I'm glad to be here. So, you know, when I was looking at your profile, I was just fascinated. Like you've done so many different things. I can't hold a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, your career has been longer than I've been alive. So, you know, I I'm sure we'll find it hard to fit this conversation into 30 minutes. But why don't we get started with what was the first thing you sold ever? Actually, that I went out and sold, I did door-to-door -door magazine sales. And it was, it was crazy. And after a day or two, I said, I'm not doing this. I don't like this pitch. And they called and they offered me more money. And I was like 17 and I just didn't like it. And then I found out about selling in a way that actually stuck with me for years about the whole convincing and influencing conversation that goes along with the way many of us were taught to sell. That that was my first introduction when you really had to try to get in the door and you had to make someone believe that you were there for them rather than really being there for them. And that was an insight I didn't get till many years later. I just knew that I didn't care for that type of sale. And when you say get in the door, it is really get in the door, right? I think a lot of people today haven't experienced that. And as you've kind of been through the journey, right? How do you think sales has changed in the last 30 years or has it? Oh, it's, it's changed dramatically in its language. And I hope that those of your listeners who believe that they have transformed their selling process, realize that changing the language and how you identify that process, in most cases, doesn't change how you're going about it. The word problem and problem solver is the best example I can give. When I created this communications model for sales, my background was in communications theories and models in college while I was working on my graduate work, which I quit one quarter short 
to go into a road company of Jesus Christ Superstar. My mother never forgave me. I quit one quarter short of my master. So I ended up not continuing on in my language training. And then 20 years ago, uh, 20 years later, rather, I found myself training in the financial services industry, communications and everything. And here I was training these people on the traditional way to sell. And I hated it when anybody did that to me. And in the late 1980s, I put my process, my model together, the easier way to sell. And to get back to your question, I came out with the concept of the, the best way to be a powerful salesperson is to go in as a problem solver. It's easier to wake up in the morning and ask, okay, whose problem can I solve today? Rather than, oh gosh, I got to go sell again. And the biggest shift I have seen in response to your question is that everybody talks about themselves as a problem solver now. And if you ask them what problem they solve, they don't have a clue. They'll tell you what they do, but they don't know the problem they solve. And that is one of the communications and internal communications that I'm working my hardest to have people get a hold of. Like an accountant doesn't, he helps people do taxes and keep their books, but every accountant you meet does that. So what is the problem that a, a CPA or an accountant helps with? It's people are frustrated because the tax laws change every year and it becomes more and more difficult. I take care of that for you. Now that's very different than, oh, I help people do their taxes and keep their books. It's a shift in how you view what you do. If you're going to be a problem solver, you should know what problem you solve. And in his case, it was the frustration and stress that goes along with preparing your own taxes. So one gets a response of, oh, that's nice. And the other one gets a response of, can you help me with that? And the challenge that people today have when they go out there is in their communication, they're still thinking of themselves as a problem solver if the sale gets made, but they're not communicating as a problem solver. So the biggest change has been the conversation that people have and how they're being taught. I keep hearing people say, well, here's your elevator speech. Here's the way to introduce yourself. And it still talks about what you do. And they work for in these little workshops trying to, okay, so what exactly is it you do? And nobody cares what you do. All they care about is what you could do for them. And the biggest switch has been people talk about how effective they are now as problem solvers. And I just kind of go, okay, you know, once you can tell me what problem you solve, I'll buy into that. But right now, no. Another side is the technology. I, d I don't know what's up with all the data and how you go, how you use that effectively. I started, I don't even remember what the, the program was in 1994 or 95. I got one where you had to put this little dongle key into the computer and it, it helped you with a database of you know, whether or not someone was human. <laughs> and that that was it. But the technology has also been a really big change. That, that, of course, makes a lot of sense. And yeah, just this morning, I was interviewing some candidates for a sales position at Wingnut. And the question that I like to ask is, you know, assume that this is a sales process, you are the product, how would you sell yourself? And it's been revealing and 
not so surprising, which is that nobody's ever thought of asking me a discovery question before introducing themselves and pitching themselves. And so, of course, my second question is, okay, so you did a great introduction. Now, can you try to sell yourself? And today, somebody actually asked me a great question, which was, you know, the way I would sell is I would first ask you, like, what are your conversion rates? And I would then talk about whether or not I can help you improve those if you hired me, which I thought was a good approach versus a lot of the other candidates. I've spoken to. May I share something that aside from giving a great presentation about themselves, in many cases, salespeople leave their best presentation in their interview. And what you just said about just shifting it around and asking, so I'm not sure whether or not my product is even right for you. I don't have enough information. So if it's all right, let's have a brief conversation because there's information I'd like to know and you might have a couple of questions to ask of me. May we start that way? And that to me is a way to get into an authentic conversation is, you know, if you're really on a fact-finding mission to discover and uncover what their problems are. And that that would be what I would coach people when they were going into interviews is to get engaged and not try to sell yourself. Nobody cares about you. There are 30 people there that day who are doing exactly the same thing that you do and maybe even better. So it's about communication. And that's how I respond to that. So, you know, while we're on the topic of authenticity, right? Like I know you speak a lot about authenticity and the course that you do, the how to sell without selling. I don't know if I butchered the name. I'm curious to hear like what, what has been like some of the response and the revolutions people have had by practicing that authenticity. Do you have well, any stories to share there? I do. And it's a, it's a grand story. It's that you just gave the key internal dialogue about practicing authenticity so someday you can be authentic. And we're all authentic, but just at certain times with certain people where we feel that we're not in danger of some repercussion of some kind. And we know that we can just be there. And that is the word that I always ask people to remember is, who are you being at that moment? Are you being authentic or are you doing authentic? And is your goal there to have a conversation in which your ability to have someone communicate with you honestly is only available when they believe that you're there to solve their problem instead of yours. And I would invite everybody to do this exercise regarding their life and ask under what circumstances have they told them this themselves the story that if I only had more of X, then I could go do what it is I'm supposed to do, and then I'll have what I'm supposed to have. And it's backwards, because if you are who you say you are, like in many cases, you might go into a client and they might say to you, tell me what you could do for me in this area. And you might say to them, how willing are you to let me catch up on what's available there before I give you that answer? Right. And then you would go and you'd go, yeah, I can do 
that form, no problem. But it's that who you were being is someone that takes care of that stuff. Who you were being was not, oh, if I only had more confidence, I could have gotten that job and I would have told them that I could do that. So when you go out there, just be that person that would do authenticity, you know, that would have that be as part of their life. You cannot, you can fake it till you make it, but consider that on the job training where you're saying, I have to force myself to just back off and listen and really be thinking about their needs instead of mine. I just want to have a conversation with them. So who do I have to be to be that person and then be that person? And that's the story I tell everybody. Instead of if I had, I could do, then I'll be. It's I'll be who I need to be. Then I'll do what that type of person does. And then I'll just have what they But I have to challenge you there. I mean, in my mind, people in sales are very directly measured on the quotas that they meet, the numbers that they hit, right? So by saying that, you know, you truly have to care about the other person, right? I, I believe that there is a disconnect there, right? As long as the incentive scheme is designed like that. It's a bit like telling somebody that I'm going to judge you by how far you can swim, but I want you to jump really high in one place to practice for it. Like, you know, those two things don't really tie up, right? You're asking people to not be self-serving, to be authentic and to care about the customer, to be a problem solver, but you're going to judge them based on the quotas they hit, the commission checks they get. And that's not just within the organization, but within the society as a whole. Don't you think that's a disconnect? I think that that's a really accurate statement when you're considering the traditional way to sell. Because the traditional way to sell is adversarial, and there's usually no matter whether there's a evening out, when the salesperson walks out after a deal, they don't go, boy, that's nice. We both got something out of that. They walk out and they go, yeah, I got them. And I'm just suggesting that you can have that same mentality by walking out and go, oh, that went great. It went predictably. It went the way the language that I used allowed for it to go. And I authentically delivered that language. I asked the right questions. I conducted my conversation very much like a doctor's interview. And you can still make your quota by using an easier way to sell. It's just that most people are afraid to to have a conversation because we've all been told don't speak unless you're spoken to. And in addition to that, we've all learned a specific way to sell and that's show and tell, convince and influence. And people hate that no matter what your quota is. So if you're closing three out of 10 right now, set appointments, what do you need to do to close a fourth? Because there are deals that you walked out of going, I should have had that. I knew I had it. And then all of a sudden I lost it. And I believe it's in your language. I believe it's how you communicated and what you caused the buyer, or in this case, the non-buyer to conjure up in their mind that gave them a rationalization to say no. It was you did not do a good enough job in uncovering their problem and finding out what the cost to them was. And if it didn't be, if it wasn't mutually beneficial, shake hands and move on and go to the next person in that range of, 
I think they're a yes. I'm not sure, but I think so. Those are the ones you'll start closing that you didn't before. The ones you've been closing, you're doing fine. You sold the way they bought. Things worked out right. They needed what you had. You were there at the right time in the right place. And I'm talking more about being cause in the matter, of being able to communicate in such a way that your prospect, you watch them go, ah. Yeah. And you go, well, tell me how you see that making a difference for you. And if so, I'm going to ask you that when we're done here, you tell me what we need to do to put this into force. But you have to make that decision. Are we okay with that? And they'll go, yeah. And remember, no maybes. No, I want to think about it. It's either a yes, I'm going to do it or a no, I'm not. Are we in agreement? And say you can say anything you want with a smile on your face. There's a Yiddish term. It's called chutzpah. And chutzpah is the ability to just pretty much say anything, whether it's, you know, really in other people's minds going, that's just crazy. And the best definition of chutzpah is a man is standing in front of a judge after just murdering both of his parents. And he asks for mercy because he's an orphan. That is chutzpah. So there's some of that involved. You have to walk in and you have to be someone who conducts a sales conversation like a doctor visit. And how do you get that? You work on your language, you work on your bedside manner, which gives you, uh, which shows more empathy. They're just, it's a communications process that we're not trained to feel comfortable in because, well, sales doesn't work like that. And I just said, that's baloney. Let's work it out so that you get to a no as quickly as possible. And people go, what are you talking about? And I'm talking about a real no, one of the no's that was going to happen anyway. How do you find that out real soon without giving a big presentation or a demonstration or writing a proposal that nobody's ever going to look at? You can find that out in a day. And if you, if they ask you to write a proposal, you refuse unless and until they tell you everything that needs to be in that proposal in order for them to accept it. And there's a language that you use and they sit there and they go, well, I'd like this in it and this in it and this in it. And when you deliver it because they were perceiving what they wanted at that time, and this is awfully airy-fairy, they were self-hypnotized for the moment because they were thinking of what was in it. And when you finally deliver that proposal that has everything in it, they told you, they'll go, wow, how did you find out all about that? You know, <laughs> it's, it's a fascinating experience in language. And that's what I teach. And I don't know how to, how to sell that. So I talk about sales because it works so elegantly. You just have to really do it. You have to be it. Would you say that's being authentic or that's being manipulated? Well, you will rise or succeed in life based on the structure on which you rely. And if that structure in this case is a structure of effective language, I find no challenge with that. And secondarily, if the problem you're solving is the problem of the prospect rather than your own, sue me. I will just continue to do this 
And one of the things I tell my clients is the language causes responses that are so predictable that you have to keep from giggling because you'll say, and they go, well, and you go, Oh, it's just like in class. And it, you know, we had a weekly meeting of graduates and they would come in and go, Oh, I got to tell you about this. And if you listen to some of the episodes of my podcast, you'll hear people that have been with me for 30 years talking about pretty much the, the same thing. So yes, it, it does have an edge on it where you are, you're not controlling the client, you're controlling the process. No, I think that's, that's fair enough. And I think a lot of people aspire for that. You know, one thing very interesting that I came across on your podcast, and I would love for you to share it if that's okay, was you have a particular way in which you get people to introduce themselves, right? <laughs> I'd love for you to share that. Well, we pretty much covered it early on by talking about what problem you solve. And if you go into an elevator, which some of you remember from pre-COVID, <laughs> and you are with someone who asks you, what do you do? My coaching has always been, don't tell them what you do, tell them the problem that you solve. So in, if I can be a bit bold here, for instance, for wingman, you know, a lot of companies have a challenge maintaining a connection with their sales force in a way that has the sales force be as productive as they could be. Is that an accurate statement? And that to me is a problem you solve. You know, the, these companies are going nuts because they're things that they know their salespeople could do if they were reminded of it. If they only kept, you know, had had like someone over their shoulder, it would reduce that stress. We reduce that stress and just say it, you know, in 10 or 15 seconds. And if the person's in a company that's dealing with that, they'll go, you can help me with that versus, oh, that's nice. You know, we help companies improve the effectiveness of their sales force. I bless you. But it, I, I don't know if I have a need, you know, that, that does nothing. It doesn't have that little space in your, over by your liver where I think it's called a gut reaction where you go, oh, and that's what this system is designed to do. It's designed to have people go, oh, and it works. I think we need to get your script, you know, programmed into the cue cards for our customers. And that'll be fun to watch, right? Uh, seeing those reactions again and again. And no, I completely well, agree. What, what's interesting is I have a little sheet. Uh, there's a, a little formula for using this to help you remember. And I have people walk in with a blank piece of paper, except for the questions that they want to ask the doctor style questions and a space for the problem they have and maybe some other information. But I just have them walk in and go, you don't mind if I take a couple notes. Plus, I wrote down a couple questions that I wanted to ask so I'd remember them. You just, there's authenticity, you know, and and then you go, yeah, and I wanted to ask you this one too. And you just turn back, you look and you go ahead and you ask. And the it's a, it's a analog version in some ways of the things you and I have discussed of having someone stay on track because, you know, it's sequential. And each one says, you know, if you get this, move on. If you don't shake hands and leave. Yeah. So it'll be fun to compare notes. And like you said, it's because at some level, language causes a response and like using a very 
specific language is very helpful uh, because you know the two things that you said right may mean the same thing but the way they are presented as a problem versus as a solution right cause a very different response uh, for the person who's listening to them so yeah i think that mm-hmm. makes sense um, the meaning of your communication is the response that you get exactly any parting words of advice uh, you know as as a person who's been in the industry and who's been both in sales and in the acting world uh, a little bit right with uh, production oh, and oh, videos oh. i'd love to hear what similarities the similarities you draw and what's kept you coming back to sales versus uh, what seems like a more glamorous fun world uh, to be honest with you the reason that i you know everybody has their reasons that things i always look younger than i am and I would go for auditions with people my own age and they all looked like my uncle. And now it's now I'm just not now I'm retired and that's what's happening and in terms of my teaching I've been teaching pretty much all my life. I I I live to contribute information that helps others be more effective in their way of communicating. I really I I found myself last week in a but I thought you meant situation. I went to the dentist. I needed work done. He said it would be so many thousand dollars and I went, "Oh no." I came back I paid for it and said, "We're done. We're done. We're done." I came back and it turned out we weren't done. Yeah, we were done with one thing, but not the the little teeth themselves for the crowns. And that was another couple grand. And I just fell for my own, but I thought you meant. Because when he was talking about it, he's talking about what he does. And that's the one thing that I would invite everybody to really look at in their lives, is how often are you you really blaming things when it really comes down to you your interpretation, which results in, but I thought you meant. And see how many times that comes up in your life and it'll amaze you. So that's the thing I want you to, I, 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 that's what I would tell people to do though. The the one thing and sales, just th- this whole thing, this whole conversation, I get so excited. I get on my silly soapbox and you know I want everybody to use this. And I know everybody wants everybody to use whatever they're promoting, but yeah. You know, it's, it's good. If I may, I would invite everybody to go to the website at close the deal without selling.com or sell and market better.com and take a look at what we're doing. Got some changes coming up in a little while. I can even announce it here. We're starting a close the deal club for people who get in a little membership and there'll be re- a, a lot of, if I can call them benefits, and I'll go into problem solving later <laughs> right now. There's some real benefits. <laughs> oh, the teacher just was bad. <laughs> no, that sounds awesome. It was great having you. I Thanks so much for sharing oh, Friday with us. I, I appreciate you asking me this, and I'm delighted to contribute to the listeners. And, you know, I just uh, am really grateful. Goodbye, Shruti. Thank you.